podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Live Birds. It's been a few weeks, but it's been a busy few weeks and we've got loads to talk about. So uh, I welcome back my regular contributors, Randy, Molly and Liam. Dan, thank you all for joining. I hope you've all enjoyed the last few weeks. So, um, ladies, let's kick off um, and talk about our start to the season because we've got lots to get through uh, today. So, Leanne, let me let me start with you. We've just uh, scraped through with a with a nice two one win against Leicester. So, still unbeaten uh, from the start of the season. How how's it going from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, as you said, they were unbeaten, so that's always a, always a positive and sitting pretty at the top of the league um, going into the international break, which is what everyone sort of was hoping for at the start of the season. I think what the best thing is, is Liverpool probably wouldn't be sitting at the top of the league had it been last season or a couple of seasons before, because there's been times where, particularly against Leicester, but also you know against uh, Brighton and uh, Crystal Palace, there were periods of pressure Liverpool were having to deal with and the defence did really well to sort of keep it tight. Alisson obviously made that big mistake uh, with his feet, but Liverpool then ride, rode out the pressure. You know, the, they kept themselves in front and they got the three points, which is something we, we probably wouldn't have been able to sit here and say, uh, last season or, or a couple of seasons back. Um, so, you know, you can, you can see the progression there. And I think it's also important to, to note Liverpool haven't actually got out of second gear yet. And yet we've got four wins from four. Um, and, and looking at other results, you see the likes of uh, Man City slipped up uh, and um, lost a couple of points against, uh, who was it again that they drew with? can't remember now. Um, but, you um, know, Wolves, I believe. Wolves, Wolves that's it. Um, yeah, they, they dropped a couple of points there. You saw Tottenham against uh, Watford dropping points. So, it goes to show how competitive the Premier League is, and yet we're we're able to grind out these results so far without having to play too well. So hopefully we do see an, an upturn in in uh, you know in terms of performances after the international break. But so far so good for Liverpool, and it's the it's just the wins and the points that matter. I think that there's a there's a few there's a few things that you've you know that you've covered in there, Leanne. But Molly, let me just before we kind of circle back round there, how has it been for you watching from afar? This must be quite a different experience for you. Uh, certainly, the start of this season with with you know being outside of the UK now. Yeah, I managed to get to the West Ham game, um, and that was kind of that was the last one I've been to. Um, I thought it would be stranger than it is to be honest but like the first thing I think a purchase when I got here was um, is it being sports yes Um, and how where we're living it's like an apartment block with kind of all teachers from our school Um, and a lot there's a lot of Liverpool fans so it's really like not going but then at the same time I'm not kind of like sat watching it on my own I'm sat with these new people having kind of new conversations and still you know from kind of all over the place um like I got a guy from South Africa a guy from London Jack's found an Everton friend as well there's all yeah um he's made up I didn't think he was gonna find one um, but so so it's been a completely different experience, and obviously I'd rather be there. But at the same time, it has been nice because I suppose it is that kind of football does bring people together and kind of maybe having conversations and making friends with people that maybe I wouldn't have done. So it it's been nice in a way, and obviously we're, we're winning and we're top of the league, so 
I think that's added to the, uh, the pleasantness. <laughs> it certainly has. But to, to pick up um, Leanne's point, Randy, so, you know, we've not really got out of second gear yet. I mean, who who has um, impressed you in this, this early part of the season in terms of our overall performances? I think that Gomez <laughs> is the one that has uh, surprised me the most. He is absolutely amazing. He's superb. And uh, especially this game, I think he was uh, amazing. Uh, you know, you remember that clearance that you can see in all the highlights? The clearance from the Madison uh, when he tried to yes. get for a really, really good shot. <laughs> it is just so, so well done. And he's got all the energy. He's got all the, the awareness that I didn't think he had before. I think he had some spells last year and, and before he was injured he, as well. He was not positioning well. But now he, he is absolutely everywhere. And last time, last match, I think it was better than uh, Vir- Virgil. So that really says a lot about that man. And uh, of course, as well, I think Mane is doing his bits very well this year. And I think Mo has to watch out for the top scorer uh, in the, our team this year. So those two in particular, and of course Alison, although we're probably going to talk more about him later on, but he's doing his bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um it's interesting, I think, because I worry. Well, prior to um prior to the, the Leicester game, I was I was slightly um worried about Roberto uh, Firmino in the he he looked. You know, his work rate will never ever be questioned, but, um, I did wonder about sort of how sharp he was and if he still had a bit of a World Cup hangover because he's certainly not been as quite as effective. And, and I guess it comes back to the earlier point about, you know, we're not firing on all cylinders. It's early in the season and I, I'm absolutely delighted with where we are because I know there's so much more to come, but I was particularly pleased to see him score yesterday. Yeah. Actually, um, I think that does his his confidence a, a world of good. And you know, anything that you know continues to share the goals around is um, is fine by me. I wonder whether um, though that you think as well uh, my. So from my perspective, I think that uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold is another one who looks like he's got a little bit of a World Cup hangover to me. Maybe hasn't had quite enough rest or, um, you know, has got all of the energy but hasn't ne- isn't necessarily quite on it at the moment. And I just wonder, is that just a... a you know, is that just part and parcel of players finding their feet uh, you know, after a pre-season, etc. Or do we think, you know, he had a lot on his plate last season, really broke into the first team, um, played a lot of games, went to the World Cup, wasn't used, um, you know, got to a Champions League final. Is, are we, should we be expecting an inevitable dip because he's still only a baby comparatively? Um and should we expect to see more of Klein in the coming weeks? I'll put that one to Molly. Maybe, especially with the kind of really, really intense from the game we've got coming up at the moment. If he was to rest a few of the players, I don't think that would be a concern for anybody. I think perhaps like towards maybe like the World Cup feels like ages and ages ago, but actually, you know, they were travelling around really long distances whether they were playing or not um, and it may be the intensity of the competition as well maybe there is a bit of a, a World Cup hangover um, and then they only really got about two weeks off didn't they and then straight into pre-season and even though there were really really big games in pre-season a lot more yeah. travelling like a, you know, a lot of travelling um, so if there is a bit of a dip then I think you know, they are human. I think that's that's allowed. And we're still winning, so it's not actually a problem at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think they will pick up. And I think that for once, we have a bit of depth in the squad. 
So we're kind of we're not having the conversation of oh shit, who's going to play? Are they going to last all those games? What's going to happen? It's like oh actually yeah, you know Trent could rest. We can bring Klein in or some of the midfielders can rest because we've actually you know we haven't even seen like Fabinho yet. So you know I think if there was a lot, I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the team over the next few weeks. Kind of after the international international break mm. but I think as I say for once it's not like there's no alarm bells because we've got that little bit of extra squad depth um, there to kind of facilitate that yeah it's it's a it's an interesting one because I think I think after a World Cup year you do you do get to see some some significant changes in in fortune in in some players some who you know having had that experience kind of take another step up to the next level and some who who have a, a bit more of a struggle in terms of adjusting back having you know having had that experience and I you know he's a very sensible you know well brought up lad and and I hope for the former rather than the latter but I also am conscious developmentally he's still very young so we should expect some peaks and troughs as we go through that. On the point of uh, Allison, because as you said, Randy, we probably will um, come on to him. So, so I think you know, four four games in, we've had quite a quite interesting illustration of the type of goalkeeper that he's going to be, um, and we've seen the sort of risk and reward strategy that that he adopts. So, so Leanne. Where where do you sort of stand? We we kind of are getting a real idea of what we what we bought now. Um, is are we are we going into a period where people will start you know reminiscing about the great days of Carius and Mignolet, <laughs> or or do, are people prepared to accept that that we will get goals like the one we gave away at Leicester by the nature of the way he plays? Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of that. I think, um, you know, obviously Klopp came out before uh, the, the Leicester game. I think it was after the Brighton one because Alisson almost got caught out a couple of times then. And he said, oh, I don't actually like my goalkeeper doing that. It's, you know, it's it's not necessary. It's a bit bit of a risk that you don't need to take. Um, and it therefore puts pressure on the defence. It puts pressure on the side. And we saw that against Leicester because after that mistake, um, as we mentioned earlier, Leicester were piling on the pressure and it did seem a little bit like, oh, are they going to equalise here? And is it going to be, you know, throwing away three points after such a good, uh, good start to the season? And, you know, it's frustrating because Liverpool hadn't conceded a goal and, and to concede in that manner is, is annoying. Um, but I do think you're just, you're, you're bound to get that when you've got a player like Allison. Um, he's so good with his distribution. Um, you can see on Twitter all the statistics and stuff. I think he completed something like 12 of his 15 passes. Um, so, you know, really, really good in terms of that. And he helps with uh, our transitional play into attack. Um, and, you know, he, he's obviously a very confident goalkeeper, very confident lad in that he's trying all these uh, curve turns and things like that. And I don't necessarily have an issue with that. I think it's just picking your moments, picking your timing. Um, so, as Klopp said at the end of the game, you know, that's the best time to do it because it didn't cost us any points. He will have learned from it. He will know maybe not to be so frivolous in terms of his decision making. But also, I don't think anyone's sitting around and, and saying, oh, this is now a Carius or Minule situation because of how much he's already brought to Liverpool and how, how good you can see he is, not just in terms of that distribution, but in terms of his, his saves. Um, and so, okay, he made one mistake. That's bound to happen. He's still bringing a lot more than he's than he's taken away with that one mistake. And and as I said, I think he'll learn from it and not be more cautious because he, you know, he's got the confidence. He continued to do it after the mistake, but maybe he'll think about it a little bit more, uh, which is all you can ask for, really. Yeah, I did. I did like um, Jurgen's quote about, mm, "Well, I've never had a Brazilian goalkeeper before, <laughs> so I guess this is this is what I get." Um, uh, the the other thing that sort of struck for me about the the Leicester game, and um, 
and I'm going to start with you on this, Randy, is it's not new, but it seems to have an additional layer of, of uh, vitriol or something at the moment, which is the role of Jordan Henderson. And he started the game and, you know, I, I think you've left the group, Leanne, but I, I'm still in the um, like the AI WhatsApp group. And the amount of traffic that was generated um, by Jordan Henderson's A, being picked, B, um, performance, and then C, how he was rated on his performance in various, um, you know, articles and, and journals and stuff afterwards was, was frankly staggering. So, so Randy, just, just from your perspective, where do you stand on Jordan Henderson? Is he good? Is he bad? What position should he play? I think it's really hard to say. Is he something or another? Because like all footballers, he he makes mistakes. He hasn't remember. He hasn't started a game this season. He hasn't been full throttle. He hasn't been. He hasn't got the game um, experience this season, and I think it's really not fair on him. On the other hand, because I have a problem when I sit down watching the the whole team play, you can't sort of say, except for this time, you know, Gomez and Alisson and um, Robbo, people like that, that really stood out. But Hendo didn't stand out either as good or bad. It was just that something was missing in the midfield. Uh, I got the feeling that the glue was gone, so they were too far apart. It was not like they were chained up with the defence or, or the attack. It was like something uh, missed in, in there. And, and that might have been the fact that uh, Keita was not there and the fact that they were sort of putting people in different positions than what they've had up till now. And, um, of course, Hendo was there. And, and whether it was him or whether it was just the whole thing from the team, I can't put my finger on it. Uh, I must say I really... Uh, the team woke up when uh, Keita and Shakiri came on. And it was like a new energy and it was like a further, uh, all that further apart business sort of stuff. They were more together. But, but of course, that was that time in the game as well. So it's really hard to say for me. And I don't want to slag Hendo off. I'm, I'm too fond of him and all that. But I don't think he's going to play as much this year, season. I don't think he's going to start as much this season. So we'll see. Well, the, there is a question in my head is that, you know, if we've, if we've strengthened our midfield, which we clearly have by bringing in Cater, by bringing in Fabino, and by, and by bringing in uh, Shakiri, who can play as an attacking midfielder and also as a mm-hmm. winger and possibly off a second striker, then you would, you would expect to see them. Um, you know, all, all all indications are that Fabino is being, you know, treated as Robertson and Oxlade Chamberlain were in the previous season. So, yeah. you know, to, to immerse himself in the, the style and, uh, you know, understand and get up to speed or something before he, um, you know, before he starts making appearances. Now, we might, you know, we might see him in the League Cup in a few few weeks time you don't know but um and i don't i don't have an issue with that i suppose i'm always curious as to why jordan henderson seems to exercise people so much hmm. on kind of both ends of the spectrum um he seems to be that bellwether player for some reason and i mean i don't know i i, I, I that's that's the bit i'm trying to get my head around what what is it about him that, that makes him such a, you know, a subject that, that you, you get such diverse views on, on the, on the same player. And you're right. I mean, the fact is he's, this is his first game of the season. You know, he actually, I thought for England and had a really, really good World Cup, mm. um, needed, needed a break, came back. Um, but I don't, uh, that's the bit I suppose I'm struggling with is, is what is it about him as a player? And I don't know whether, you know, either Molly or, or Leanne have a view on this. Why is it that he, he creates so, you know, so much 
angst or debate or discussion or whatever you want to call it within the, the fan base. Do you, do you think it's because he, he kind of came in as captain after Stevie? Yeah, I think so. So there's that huge, like, he's not, he's, he's not Steve and Gerald and kind of, for Lewis Bruce was kind of, was huge anyway. And I'm supposed to be an English, you know, an English player to be a midfielder. Mm. Some people are maybe trying to draw comparisons and some people are seeing it as, you know, you've given it to him because you think he's going to be the next TVG, but he's not. And maybe, because to me, it was when he got the captaincy where this divide seemed to kind of grow, maybe. I, I think you're spot on. I think it's it's weird because it's kind of a bit like one of those scenarios where just as a as a kind of comparison, when Sir Alex Ferguson left Man U, whoever was going to come in and and replace him, it was kind of an impossible job because you were always going to get the comparisons of, oh, you're not Sir Alex, you will never accomplish what he did or or have the impact he did, and so it's kind of similar for for Jordan Henderson because Steven Gerrard was such an icon and everyone loved him and and you could see that he could come in and t- turn a game on its head basically instantly, whether that be a, a goal or a 30-second red card against Man U. He, <laughs> he just always had a always had an impact. And so for a player like Jordan Henderson, it's, it's hard to be able to replicate that. So I think that's part of it. And then the other part is that he came in at a time where 20 million, 25 million seemed quite a lot of money for him. A lot of people are asking the question as to whether he was of the quality Liverpool needed. And so he came in with a stigma that he wasn't good enough. He was never going to be good enough. So then when you make that progression to captain, that kind of intensified more because you were completely under the microscope. Um, and I just think there's there's some people, you get it with every player, as we've seen it with Moreno, we've seen it with um, Jose Enrique. Okay, you know, the, those two players aren't great footballers, but it, it goes to show that there are some people in every team that will always always be disliked and a, a set of the fan base will never appreciate what they do for the team and I just think Jordan Henderson falls into that category some people regard him as a very important player for Liverpool and others mm-hmm. others kind of saw it maybe his inclusion not necessarily about him but more just the case of they wanted to see Naby Keita and the fact that Henderson had come in and taken his place was therefore Henderson's fault um, mm. and, and, and there's just a bit of a stigma around him I think yeah, I think I think it's a bit of a shame because I think he does I think he does contribute. You know, the fact the fact is he's not Stephen Gerrard, he'll never be Stephen Gerrard, he can only ever be Jordan Henderson and he's a completely different sort of player. Um but he probably does you know, has suffered in comparison over the years. The bit that always surprises me is is how long he's actually been at the club. Because yeah. I think he's been here six, six or seven. He's coming into his seventh year, and and it it just the time. Well, time seems to have flown on on that level. Um, and I, I just, you know, I I yeah, I I just wonder that I think it's I think some of the stuff that gets thrown up at him is fundamentally unfair. Um, but he's you know he is a he is a player that I think will continue, continue to split the fan base one way or another. And, you know, he, he just seems to be the most prominent one at the moment. Yes, you know, you, you're right, Liam. I mean, you talk about, you know, Moreno um, and, you know, there's probably, you know, there's probably a couple of others. And I think Milner was one of those for a while, although he's pretty much won everybody mm. over. So he'll be in, in, Interesting to sort of see what happens when Fabino starts getting introduced into the team, but we will talk about, you know, what our what our schedules looking like over the over the coming weeks a little bit later. But I'm not so forget about Jordan Henderson for a moment um, because I want to move on to uh, something that happens a little earlier um, in the week, which was the Champions League draw, and. Um, we were pulled out of the hat alongside PSG, Napoli and Red Star Belgrade. So, Molly, let's start with you 
on this. How do you feel about our group? Um, I do feel good about it. I think that straight away um, you're comparing it to perhaps some of the groups the other British teams have um, or the other, and you know they seemingly have an easier groups than us, uh, particularly you know you know Manchester United, Manchester City. But in saying that, I don't think you know after looking at how well we did last year and you know seeing the kind of uh, new and improved team that we have this year. I, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but we sh- we should be getting out of that group. I love the look of it, actually. I, this is what I want. I want proper European ties. Um, and PSG and Napoli, um, I know less in terms of the current form of Red Star Belgrade, but I am quite excited at, at the thought of that. As a friend of mine, said on another WhatsApp group, it's the get your head kicked in group. But you did mention it, um, Molly. So, Leanne, do you... Because uh, I, I think we've got an okay group. I think Man City have got a piss-easy group of paper. Um, I think Man United and Spurs, I think that, I think there is a distinct possibility both of those might not get out of their groups. What what do you think about our prospects and also the other British teams? Yeah, I think as you said there, um, as a Liverpool fan, you want to be facing the best teams in the competition. You don't want easy... Well, I mean, you do want easy games. You do want to get through to the knockout stage of the Champions League, of course. But you you want to have those, those big European nights and... I think Klopp said it himself, you know, Liverpool are now back with the big boys. We're back in Europe. We got to the final last year. We shouldn't really be fearing anyone. Um, and the way we played during that campaign was phenomenal. Record number of goals, you know, the front three, but also the, the players in behind them, that midfield, James Milner, record most assists. We had such a good campaign last year that it's almost like, you know what, Liverpool are back now. Let's, you know, bring it on. Bring on this challenge of a of a tough group. Um, Paris Saint Germain obviously probably going to top the group just purely because of their attacking riches. You've got uh, Neymar, you've got Mbappe, you've got Verratti, you've got Buffon, uh, both of which are are missing the Liverpool game. Um, so that that's a positive in itself for Liverpool. But then you've got Napoli, um, who you know I, I think we can beat them. Uh, pre-season obviously we we demolished them, and okay, it's going to be two very different sides when we see each other in the Champions League, but they are quite an open team. Whereas the other team we could have drawn was Atletico Madrid in, I think it was Group A. And for me, that was the one I really didn't want because they're perennially hard to break down. Um, you know, Simeone has them playing such a good style of football. They all know what they're doing. Uh, they've got the know-how. And I think that would have been a really tough ask. So yes, of course, it's a, it's a hard group and Liverpool will have a hard time of it, I think. But, I really, really believe we can get through, and I think, uh, as I said before, you want to be you want to be playing the best teams, and we know if we get through that group to the knockout stages, you've already played some really big teams, so that's always a positive, and and lots of travelling and and going to good places across Europe, which is what it's all about. Um, in, in terms of the other teams, as you said, Man City, a very easy ride. They probably. Bought their way. No, that's I'm only messing. Um, <laughs> um, but but yeah, Man, Man U and um, Man U and Spurs. I'm not sure about those. They've got very very tough groups themselves. So it'll be it'll be one to watch because Mourinho he he has no how of how to grind out results, but it's not going his way at the moment. Um, but I mean, all the focus for us is just on Liverpool. We want to see Liverpool back in another Champions League final and hopefully winning this one. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of our group, I think it's something to be excited about rather than something to fear. And a lot of people on, on Twitter were saying, you know, look at the schedules for September and October. They're really, really um, jam-packed. You've got Chelsea in the Carabao Cup as well. Um, and, and people are saying, oh God, this is this is really tough for Liverpool here. But, you know, that's what it's all about. Liverpool are a big team. We're vying for the title this year. We want to get back to another Champions League final. So bring it all on. Well said, my dear. Well, said. um, 
uh, I think we and we will we will focus a bit on that on that sort of fixture list, the forthcoming fixture list. Um, but Randy, isn't it true to say that you know most teams didn't want us in their group um, when it came to that draw? So so as much as Leanne sort of says, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't fear. Um, you know, playing the big teams in Europe in terms of being back at the top table. I think there are a number of teams who potentially do fear playing us. Yeah, I would hope so after last, uh, last year's Champions League. Uh, how we played. Uh, the only thing is that nobody wanted each other in these groups. I'd love to have uh, Real Madrid again and have, uh, Get back at them, of course. I'm so happy we haven't got Atletico, as you said, Leanne. And uh, I don't know anything about Red Star, but I do suspect that PSG, Napoli and us are going to fight for the two top places. And looking at the way we played them in the summer, Napoli looked completely off, of course, because it was too early for them. But I still feel that it is PSG being the big team here. And everything could happen in these matches, so I'm sure they don't look forward to us either. And it's going to be, a, I think maybe it's a good thing as well, I mean, the bigger the team, the more the atmosphere, the more the uh, good nerves for the guys, and, and the more the sort of excitement around it, we're going we're gonna to love it, I'm sure. Uh, so PSG is a good draw, I think, and uh, I can't wait to, well, I'm not going to Paris, who am I fooling? I'm not going to Anfield apparently either, but I'd love to have one of those <laughs> matches at Anfield, I must say. So I'm looking desperately around these days, but I don't know. Uh, have you girls booked something for that? I'm so curious whether you want to go. So I haven't, I haven't booked anything, anything for the, um, for any of the away games because the likelihood is I won't get a ticket, um, yeah. because I don't have the credits but i am i am already sort of putting out feelers to see whether there's any chance of getting an, an away ticket through another route for the psg game in paris um the napoli one i think i will be away with work so uh, even if i could get a ticket i probably can't go um there's only one thing i think i would i would sort of slightly dispute with you on that though randy is i I don't think that PSG are the big team. It's so they are the the most expensively assembled team and they have the most money. But I I actually am less concerned about those and you know these words may come back to haunt me. <laughs> but they don't have any <laughs> real competition in Liga. No. And and so I think when they come up against a proper uh, European side, whether it be us or whether it be Napoli, I think it. I think they're going to find it harder because they 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 don't you know they they don't really get pushed on a weekly basis. Hmm. Um, so I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we if we beat PSG home and away. Actually, um, I, for whatever reason, I think Napoli are going to be the tougher games. Just one woman's opinion. Can I just comment on that though? Because it's so yeah. interesting. Like, if you look to, if you look to Brazil, I was there in the winter. So if you look to Brazil, PSG have become a really big team over there because hmm. of uh, Neymar Neymar. and stuff like that. You know, and, and Liverpool is a very big team in, in uh, Brazil as well. So all the hype around it, you know, it's going to bring it up to a big team match. And I think that's going to be good. I think that's going to be good for us as well. And I completely follow you. They might, might not be as good as everyone says because look at where they're playing. But I think that is a good thing, though, that the hype around it is going to be really big and it's going to be huge in Brazil. It's going to be huge for the guys playing in the game, even though we don't know what's going to happen when we finally meet each other. But I think it's a good build up and I think it suits us as well. I, I think PSG is playing style. Will suit us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a quick, quick question. Um, so, we've got the eight groups. Do we believe there's um, an El Grupo del Muerta anywhere in this lot? Um, 
because everybody wants there to be a group of death. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go through I'm gonna go through the groups and we'll decide whether we think there is a group of death. So, Group A, Atletico Madrid, Monaco, Dortmund, Bruges. Any votes for Group A? No. Okay. Group B, <laughs> Barca, Spurs, Inter, PSV, Eindhoven. Right, Group C is us. I'm saying that's not a group of death. Group D, I think we can probably gloss over because it's Galatasaray, Locomotive, Moscow, Porto and Schalke. Um, <laughs> group E, Bayern, Benfica, Ajax, AEK, Athens. Um, group F, I would say, is a piss take for Man City because they've got Leon, Offenheim and uh, Shakhtar Donetsk. Um I think I think potentially it's between Group G and Group H. So Group G, hmm. Real Madrid, Roma, CSKA, and Victoria Plitzen, or however you pronounce them. And then Group H is Juve, Man U, Valencia, and Young Boys. So for me, I think it's between B, G, and H, if there is a group of death, which I don't think technically there probably is. Any views, Molly? If I had to, I'd probably say Group B, but I'm kind of with you on this. There's not really one that hugely stands out as the group you wouldn't want to be in. Um, no, it's quite, there's, yeah, there's it's quite even. Be easier, yeah. But other than group that, a, Group A is really difficult, I think. Atletico Dortmund and Monaco. Yeah, I'm I'm expecting Bruges to be the whipping boys in that, if I'm honest. So, um, I think I've left no Madrid to, to come back to your point, Leanne, will just, you know, drain the life out of the other teams. I don't know about Monaco only because they've been, you know, asset stripped over the last couple of seasons with all of their best players, you know, and we, and we've been one of the recipients of them. I don't know what sort of team they've got, if I'm honest. Um, Dortmund seem to be in some sort of transition phase, so I'd I'd I'd, I'd just think Atletico Madrid are a bit of a a bit of a shoe in there, if I'm mm. honest. Um, but I just it's yeah it's going to be fascinating. I, that that's the thing, and you know I'm looking forward to hearing that Champions League music start to play again on Tuesday nights and Wednesday <laughs> <Yeah>. nights. <laughs> makes it makes you know it, it gives you gives you those little tingles um one of my colleagues in the office who is a man U fan um showed me a bet you know like one of those betting odds pages um in terms of you know f- uh, favorites for the champions league after the draw mm. and you know you had your normal, you know, you had Man City, I think, came in as favourites. Now, bearing this, this is kind of UK betting. But you had, you know, Man City, then you had, I think, Real Madrid, then you had, you know, whatever, then we were, we were there, I think Juventus, etc. And and I sort of said, well, okay, fine, but why are you showing me this? And he said, because Man United aren't even on page one of the betting odds. He said, we don't even... Oops. <laughs> And I said, I said to him, did you think you would? I said, I'm not being, I'm not being funny. But, um, you know, what's, what's your recent record been? But anyway, he was, he, he felt this was a very important point to show to me that man, you weren't on the front page of the putting odds to win the Champions League. So, and I did say to him, well, well they have we to get used to it. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they do. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It's a knockout competition. The best team doesn't always win the knockout competition. So we shall see. But yeah, the, the Champions League is back and we, we are all very excited about it. So we're now going to focus, having spent some time talking about the Champions League, we're now going to focus what that means for us in terms of our forthcoming fixtures. So Randy, we've got, we've got us a busy few weeks coming up for us after the, um, international break. Uh, starting off with Spurs away, which I think is going to be a really interesting game, particularly as they lost to Watford today to leave Watford, us and Chelsea as the only three 
unbeaten teams in the Premier League at the moment. Um, so how do you see that Spurs game panning out? Because remember when we played Spurs last season at Wembley, it was a bit of a shit show, frankly. Oh, it was a nightmare. But I think to me, the most important thing with this match is it, it's straight after the international. And apparently the Brazilian guys has a match in the 12th and they're going to travel this far. So people are talking about, will they be ready? Are they going to be here in time? And for me, that is very important. We need them all back, obviously, Bobby and Alison first foremost. And maybe it's going to be uh, Fabinho's the turn to show up on um, against Tottenham as well. You never know. So it's very important that they're back and they're all fit, please. And, uh, of course, I hope it's not going to be Dejan's first match after uh, the summer because, you know, yeah, you just mentioned what happened last year. Well, hopefully everything was going to be fine for that one. And also, I think uh, we're not going to put Dejan back. What do you think? Uh, Subject of fitness, (laughs) I I wouldn't have him starting that game. No, um, I don't. I, I don't think that's the game to ease him back. Uh, assuming that he's available for selection. Mm-hmm. But we and then it's three that, days later we've got uh, Paris Saint Germain. We do. That's one point. So so <laughs> interest interesting turnaround. Um, you know the three days and then you know into our first. Match day one. So I think, um, I think that will be, that will be a really good indicator for us in terms of how our performance is coming on. Um, cause as we've all said so far, you know, we've not really got out of second gear yet. So I think it will be really interesting to see how we turn up against PSG. Um, Leanne, that, that's a, in, Interesting first couple of days after the international break, but we then have Southampton three days after, uh, sorry, four days after PSG, and then we have back-to-back games against Chelsea in both the League Cup and the League. Are you excited? Are you daunted? Are you uh, wondering what sort of squad rotation you're going to see? Um, and I haven't even mentioned as we drop into October that we then get Napoli and Man City as the yeah. next two games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a pretty defining run for Liverpool and it will determine whether this team is really capable of mounting a title challenge because as good as it's been so far in terms of, you know, four wins out of four, being able to grind out results, this is a period where you're against some really top teams in PSG, uh, Chelsea back to back. Although I, I don't really think purely because of the schedule that the Carabao Cup will take much, um, like precedent. I, I don't think Klopp will. Obviously, we, we've got a lot more depth than we did last season and in prior seasons. So I'm not expecting it to be an awful team he puts out, but it won't be our best. Um, because you know, you, you want to focus on the league, you want to focus on the Champions League. They're, they're, a lot bigger. Um, but yeah, I think that will tell us a lot more about this Liverpool team in terms of can they do it over the course of the season. I would expect to see Fabinho be coming into the squad by then, but I, I completely understand what Klopp is doing with him um, in that it, it's something we saw with Andy Robertson. It's something that we saw with Oxlade-Chamberlain. And if he can now have a couple of... He's obviously going off on international duty, coming back and then if he can have a couple of games where he's being bed in, uh, let's mm. say coming off the bench against Spurs and then playing against PSG just to add a bit more solidity to that midfield and a blanket to the defence, then, you know, in the crucial run and he's, he's there where he hasn't been before. So that will add another dynamic to Liverpool. Then you've got the likes of Shakiri and Sturridge, who we haven't seen much of yet, um, who I'd both expect to probably start in the Carabao Cup. Um, game. So th- there are a lot of options there for Liverpool. Uh, we spoke about Jordan Henderson earlier, who actually isn't really in the squad at the moment. So again, he's able to come in and, and as much as people can ridicule him as a club captain, he's, he's not a bad player. So people shouldn't regard him as a bad player. 
Um, so to have people like that who can come into the side is always a good thing. Um, but yeah, I think this is what it's all about. You don't want to sit here and be talking about, oh, we, we're going to Cardiff, then we're going to go play Derby in the Cup, and then we're going to go play Wolves. You want to be playing Spurs, PSG, Chelsea, Napoli, City, all in a row, up with the big boys, seeing how we can compete and seeing whether, you know, what this team is made of. Um, and so it's, it's a scary period and a, a period where things could unravel, but it's also a period that could go very well for Liverpool. And, you know, we could be sitting here in a couple of months' time thinking, right, OK, you know, we're having a cracking season so far. Everything's going well. This this really could be our year. So we'll, we'll have to see sort of what comes from that fixture list. But I don't, as I said earlier, I don't think it's anything to be feared. Um, Molly, just on the point of, you know, the teams that you put out in the different competitions, um you know, the point has been made by a number of people um, that Jurgen Klopp hasn't actually won anything yet for Liverpool. So how seriously should we take the League Cup? Um, because it is a chance to potentially get silverware early in the season if we manage to make it through the rounds. And, you know, I don't necessarily expect Chelsea to turn up with a full strength team, by the way. But, you know, should we... How seriously should we be taking it in amongst all of these other games we've got? I think you should you should take every game seriously, um, and and I think that he will. But you know, if you were to ask me, would you rather win the League Cup or would you rather get to the Champions League final again, potentially not winning it? I think I'd definitely say get to the Champions League final again. Or even to kind of be in with a running of, you know, winning the league. Um, I think those things are kind of, if you're going to put a level of importance on it, they are much more important. And I think, you know, if we're kind of striving for greatness, which is kind of what it feels like at the moment, then you, you've got to take, take the big wins. Um, but also just on that point as well, if you were to put a full strength team out, of, you know, every Carabao Cup game potentially. Um, and I think we had this conversation last season where one of the beauties of the Carabao Cup, um, and it kind of almost being like maybe an extra is that you're getting to see players that are either benched or in the reserves or the youth players coming through and, you know, giving them a shot at playing for the first team and seeing how they get on. Because not only is that good as a fantasy, but I think it's important for them and their development and it is important in kind of the longevity of the team itself. I think it's it'll be interesting because we've, we had a little bit of um, sort of last-minute transfer activity um, for some players who went out on loan. So Ojo went out on loan. Um, you know, Origi didn't. Um, and we thought Markovitz was gone and then he wasn't. Um, and so I suspect he'll just sit there and he'll go on a free next season. But are we going to see the likes of Origi and Solanke? Um, who, you know, at different points, obviously Rigi was on loan at, um, uh, Wolfsburg last season and, you know, Solanke had, you know, had opportunities, but I, I would say, you know, he, he gave something different, but he didn't exactly pull up trees. So I take, I take your point. I, I suppose it's what it would be interesting to see whether they can genuinely grasp up those opportunities because they are going to be few and far between. And maybe that's the sign of whether they've got the ability is to not take the pressure of being able to show that they should be here in those games and let it inhibit how they play. Um, but it's difficult because, you know, you'll be putting a group of players together who generally don't play together on a regular basis and expecting them to get to sort of turn out a result. So I'm always, I'm always sort of slightly wary about that. And I don't, I don't mean that we should all always play our first team because there's no point having a squad if that's all you're going to do. 
Um, I just, I want, I want us to be standing on a podium winning something. And, you know, to your point, Molly, if you ask me, would you trade, you know, the, you know, the captain with Henderson or whoever the hell else it might be, you know, raising a trophy in February for the chance to potentially win the Premier League title, then no, I wouldn't. If you said to me, would you, would you take the opportunity because actually winning is a habit and the more games you win, the chance, the better your chances to win trophies, then yes, I probably would. But I do, I, you know, I do understand the point that you're, that you're making. I just want to win, see us win something again. It's been, a, it's been too many years now. Um, and we've got to finals. And it's and it's an it's a brilliant achievement in itself to get to the final, but I want to see us convert those chances now, as I'm sure the rest of you do. But, um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, just um, as we're sort of starting to come to the end of this, um, I, and before we get into any other business, I do I do have a question, seeing as we will be playing. Chelsea in the uh, Carabao Cup, stupid name, but anyway. Has anybody <laughs> been surprised by the start Chelsea have had to the season? Um, I know they perennially change their managers out, etc., etc. But um, I have to say, uh, particularly in terms of some of the pre-seasons that I saw, I wasn't necessarily expecting... Them to be doing as well as they are this early. Um, views, Leanne? Yeah, I mean, were you, were you, were you expecting Chelsea to just turn up again and just carry on doing what they're doing? I, I sort of was. I think, um, they've got a very, very good manager and a good setup. I think it, it's obviously taken time for them to sort of, um, reinvent themselves and there's a lot of players there who maybe were considering their future such as William um, who now get a fresh start with the new manager and that in itself takes time to sort of um, readjust um, and and the manager obviously has to decide what his best 11 is which can take some time but Chelsea do have good resources they've got good players in that team and Sarri is a very very good manager and I think we're we're seeing that already um, I do think they will get top four and I do think they have made an impressive start, obviously. Um, it, it's just whether that they can keep it up um, because I'd like to think that teams such as Man City and Liverpool are a bit more settled because we're not going through a transitional phase. Um, mm. So as well as, as well as Chelsea are doing and as well as, you know, they've sort of hit the ground running under the new management, I'd like to think that because Jurgen Klopp's philosophy and his ethos is so deeply embedded into the players and into the system and everyone sort of knows what they're doing because they've been doing it for a couple of seasons now I'd like to think that that will start to show as the season progresses but I don't think anyone should be discounting Chelsea as, as not making the top four or possibly even being in and around uh, first second place I don't think they'll win the title um, but I do think that they are a good outfit a strong outfit and you know, credit to the manager for for starting as as he has, but hopefully Liverpool Man City starts pull away. And it is a little bit weird that we're we're in a situation where Chelsea have won all their games. So have Liverpool. Um, Man City haven't won all their games, obviously. But a lot of the talk is still about how it's a two horse race between City and Liverpool. So I think yeah. that that could get a little bit dangerous if people keep underestimating Chelsea. Um, but as I said, Jurgen Klopp's been here for a good few seasons now. Everyone knows what they're doing. His system is ingrained into the players, and hopefully that begins to show as the season progresses. Yeah, and I think you know Chelsea will love it if if the only thing people are talking about is us and City, um, because you know they can just carry on bubbling under the radar. As so the the question is, and yeah, it's only you know four games in. Do we do we think that Watford are this season's Leicester? Do, do, do we think that this is something that they they can maintain, or are they just having a a brilliant start to the season? Because you know that's that's what we thought about Leicester, um, but they just never quite stopped. So I don't know, Randy. What do you think? Uh, Watford, uh, Watford, uh, this year's surprise package. 
Uh, so far, it looks like it. But remember, they're not top of the league. They are third, but they haven't lost a game. So it's very strange. But, but remember, we've always struggled against them. Uh, Dini scored against us every match. It, it, at least that it, it feels like it. And I saw bits of this game earlier, and Tottenham was not clinical enough. So if Tottenham had scored when they should have, it would have been all or a loss for Watford, but because they were not very impressive. But they do what they usually do. They sort of come back and they fight, and Tottenham didn't do that. And that was a bit like us last year at this time. Uh, now we are grinding it out. Now our defence is actually nothing to be scared of. I'm not screaming and shouting every corner, every free kick, uh, <laughs> as it looks like it. Tottenham should. Because Tottenham is a bit like us last uh, season. So it's really funny to look at because I was not scared of Watford. But afterwards, I look at the table and they were third, haven't lost the game. It's really, really strange. Of course, we should look out for them. But but I wouldn't be scared of them winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I well, you know, the, 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 the problem is that Leicester proved that the impossible is possible. And so now you can't, you know, there are teams where you would say on the face of it, well, no, of course they're not going to win the league, Watford being one of them. But, you know, it's it's not currently beyond the realms of possibility, mm. clearly not with 34 games to go. So we've gone through a lot of uh, stuff on this pod. Um, and I think it's probably a good point start drawing it to a close so let's just have a quick spin round and do any other business molly have you got any other business for us i don't think so sorry <laughs> <laughs> you're tired oh, right. no, it's not it's not compulsory um but we always we always like to ask the question you don't want to say anything about joe Jose or anything else that might be in the news, just check in. Oh, you mean his season three meltdown? <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of it's sort of strange and funny and quite uncomfortable to watch from the outside because you do you do you do wonder whether he's actually having a few sort of mental health issues. Um, but, but so much of his stuff is so, um, designed, so deliberately designed because I'm sure he's thought about that line about having more Premier League titles than, you know, all the other managers put together for some time. He couldn't use it until Arsene Wenger left. So, um, as a teacher of teenagers, right? Like, I've had those conversations with teenage, predominantly teenage boys who think they are cleverer than you. And mm-hmm. watching Mourinho, like, I'm reminded of, like, I'm not going to name names, but, like, students that I've taught where like, <laughs> they've obviously, like, really tried to think about what they're saying, but they just sound like a brat. Yeah, like having a tantrum, and that is like absolutely what it is. It's just like he hasn't grown up. Yeah, it's a bit embarrassing, I must say. I'm so glad that is not our manager. He doesn't say things like that. No, and and interestingly, in in his press conference, uh, I think it was, I'm not sure if it was pre or post Leicester. He was asked about Mourinho's comments to say, you know, you're you're asking me about, you know. Why we we finish so? Why don't you ask the the you know the managers of the teams that finished in third and fourth, you know, because managers that they haven't won anything in England. And the reporter sort of said to him, "Well, this is what Jose's been saying." And he said, "Well, he's correct." Yeah. He said, if he said, "If he said I haven't won any trophies in England, then he's right." And he said, "What are you saying? I should start listening to Jose Mourinho press conferences now?" <laughs> because he clearly said he doesn't watch it. Yeah, of course. But, but, but that's the thing. I, that, that's that's the kind of adult response, isn't it? To your point, Molly, is is you know he just says, yeah, okay, that's what he said. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and just kind of don't give, don't give it house room, because I think that's part of the problem is that 
you know, it gives Jose the inches he wants, um, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> 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 so, um, so I just, I just, uh, the, the man, man is just bizarre. Um, anyway, so, so that was your official no, I have no any, any other business. Um, <laughs> Randy, <laughs> Randy, anything from you before we close this latest edition? Yeah, and I've got two things. And one okay. is a bit sad to see Brenda beat Gerard, I must say. I was really hoping for <laughs> Gerard getting a draw or a win, of course, against uh, Celtic. But that didn't happen, so Brenda rules. Uh, as so long, I mean, let's see how far that was. Uh, and another one, have you picked up? There is a new Nabi Kater song. Have you girls heard it? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if I have. So, so if I answer your, your first point first, I would have been, I mean, pleasantly surprised, but I would have been really surprised if Rangers had got a result today. You know, they're, this is the first time they've generally been competitive on, on one level with Celtic since, you know, since they came back in for the Scottish Premier League and, and Frank, they weren't that competitive they were they were you know they set up very well defensively and they rode their luck so I think it was a well-deserved victory for uh Celtic but mm-hmm. I I take your I take your point I I think if he is given time and investment I think Gerard will get Rangers to be competitive again properly in the Premier League but um, Scottish Premier League but yeah, I, do you know what? It, on one, on another level, I really don't care. Actually, Scottish <laughs> football is no, but it's over. just funny to watch. You know, yeah. I, it's yeah, interesting I, to see. It's a, it's a fast, it's a fascinating choice that he made for me in terms of Gerard making that his first proper managerial appointment because you know it's kind of you know go hard or go home. You're not gonna. If you if you wanted to go somewhere and kind of build up a reputation quietly, oh, Rangers and I yeah. is not the place to do it. So so fair play to him for doing that. But no, what's this Nabi Keita song then? Uh, I just uh, remember it is two um, two Liverpool players in uh, Rangers now. So apparently they're doing uh, doing good, and I I want you know. Gerard looking after our boys and then hopefully coming back uh, fit is a good thing. Well, the Navigator song, <laughs> I just saw it at the Redmond TV, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And it's people's actually singing. Navigator, na 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 Navigator, Robbie Firmino, Salah Emani, Robo! And it's so oh. funny. Yes, yes, I have. Sorry, I have seen this. It's this supposed is... to be a song. Well, this I mean, is it's funny. This is updated ones from Rafa Benitez, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a pretty interesting, it you know, Rafa, but they sing about everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, we used to do, you know, Rafa Benitez, Rafa Benitez, Rafa Benitez, and something, and then our Belower, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah. Yes. Whatever it, um, what was it? Was it Nunes at the end? No, it was Pepe Reina, wasn't it? Was it Pepe? Was it Alonso, Alonso, Torres, and Reina, and our Beloa? That was oh, it. Yeah, all the Spanish. <laughs> so, so now they're doing what? Cater and who? Salah, uh, Firmino, and Robo. Robo, Firmino, Salamani, and Robo. <laughs> and it was so cute. <laughs> Quite funny, I thought. Uh, I'd like them to do something a little bit more original for Nabi Cater, I think, uh, rather yeah. than cycling um, um, older ones. But I guess that's I guess that's fine. Uh, you know, we, you know, we, it, it, you know, resources are finite, so maybe we should recycle songs, recycling plastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you for sharing. Yes, that that does actually ring a bell now. So um, I, I I'm not sure it's going to catch on, but we we'll see. Um, <laughs> Leanne, is that your any other business finished, Randy? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, Leanne, over to you. Any other business, any plugs, anything else you want to share with our dear listeners? I don't think so, um, other than just to check out the AI, um, the King and AI podcast. I think part two is out now. Um, some really good work from Very, Gags yeah. and good stuff. Good shout. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but part one was brilliant. And I think they actually released it uh, for free, part one. Um, so part two is subscribers only. So if, if anyone hasn't listened to that, definitely check it out because a lot of work was put into that and it is actually a very, very informative listen. Other than that, um, not really anything else. I think it's just weirdly nice to have an international break and be able to recover, um, from the stress <laughs> of that Leicester, Leicester <laughs> game and to hope that when, when we come What's back, it? yeah, and hope when we come back, Liverpool find, find that top gear. And start to make um, make the wins a bit more comfortable. But other than yeah. that, you can't can't really complain. We're sitting top of the table, so everything's going well at the minute. Minute. It is, and thank you for reminding me about the King and AI pod because the other part of that is also um, please do listen. But once you have listened, we'd really appreciate any donations that you would make to the Marina Douglas Foundation or the Marina um, Douglas Foundation appeal i can't even speak <laughs> properly uh, but basically you know there is an opportunity here for us to have regular pods with um kenny dalglish and, and which i think would be amazing for us as liverpool fans and um all they're asking for is for people to donate whatever they can afford to uh the marina dalglish foundation which obviously focuses on giving support and helping people with um cancer and there's something so i think it's a you know it's a fantastic cause it's a brilliant opportunity to listen to the king um so there you go so thanks liam for reminding me of that um i don't have any other plugs obviously than uh than live the birds itself um mm. which i hope you will continue to uh listen to and enjoy um so on that note Thank you very much, Leanne. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Molly. Uh, it's been brilliant to get back together and to talk about us being top of the table. Hopefully, we'll still be able to have a similar conversation the next time we get together. So thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye. Goes on day after day Hearts torn in every way So fairy, cross the mercy Cause this land's the place I love And here I'll stay Podcast Network.